Welcome to the 2022 Charles Sturt University podcast series. Charles Sturt would like to acknowledge the traditional owners on whose land we meet and their elders past and present. This series is shining the spotlight on issues within our critical workforces and career paths available to assist with the skills shortage. In this episode, we're speaking with a highly esteemed expert in aged care who has over 37 years experience in caring for and educating others on how to take care of some of our most vulnerable citizens, the elderly. It's a pleasure to welcome Marie Benoth, Associate Professor of Nursing at Charles Sturt University. We are also joined by Karen, who will share her experiences on how she navigated the aged care system for a member of the family. To find out more about this critical industry that is experiencing a workforce crisis and desperately needs help to continue to care for our parents and grandparents, Charles Sturt University Bachelor of Communication student, Miss Sophie Norris, had a chat with Marie and Karen to find out what can be done to help our aged care professionals continue to safely care for our loved ones. Hello, Marie, Professor Benoth. Thank you for being a part of the Charles Sturt podcast series. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today because I think the aged care sector will touch everybody at some point. We've been hearing a lot of negative stories about the sector in recent times. And I want to bring the focus back to the positive impact and crucial role this sector and the workforce plays. Uh, Thank you for inviting me to be part of the series, Sophie. Marie, you're amazing. You've been involved with the residential aged care sector as an academic and a registered nurse for 37 years. You've received learning and teaching awards and written best-selling and award-winning books on healthy ageing and aged care. You've been such a vocal part of the sector for many years before it hit the front pages of newspapers. Congratulations on everything you've achieved and thank you for striving to make the industry stronger. Thanks, Sophie. It's the people in aged care that I deeply care about. Lovely to also meet you, Karen. Your sharing your aged care story today will be invaluable to others and having Marie with us to hear your story and offer advice to others on how to navigate the aged care system and care for their loved ones will be incredibly helpful. Marie, I am looking forward to your thoughts for people considering a career in aged care. So let's dive straight into things. Marie, can you describe what a day working as an aged care nurse might look like? My role working as a registered nurse in aged care has always been extremely exciting, sometimes challenging and very satisfying. It's an area where I tried to make a big difference in the lives of residents and staff in aged care. Um, This is possible as an RN because you're largely autonomous as a practitioner. There's not always allied health professionals or doctors to consult in residential aged care. So the older people have to rely on your ability as a registered nurse to assess their needs and implement the appropriate strategies uh, for their care. When uh, When you get this right, the registered nurse can make a big difference in the quality of life of the older person. It's up to you as the registered nurse to ensure that the person is receiving the best care possible and families are included in and kept informed about that care. Uh, This responsibility calls on the registered nurse to use their full scope of practice. For example, you're using all your senses to assess the person along with all your knowledge of the person, who they are, their life stories, their interests, and their idiosyncrasies to identify challenges and then be able to instigate strategies to intervene appropriately. 
You also need to have foresight, flexibility, creativity, along, of course, with a sense of humour uh, to manage some of the challenging situations that you're confronted with. Working in aged care also gives you extensive exposure to the many and varied medical conditions that patients can experience. For example, you learn how to identify whether a resident has a medical emergency happening, which can be manifest in confusion. And then it's your role to identify the multiplicity of possible causes. Your responsibility to then intervene gives you the ability to bring that person back to their normal cognitive function, which enables their ability to interact with other residents, their families and friends. In short, you reinstate their quality of life. Another incredibly rewarding aspect of working in aged care is the relationships that you build. You build them with the residents and they become like family as you're working with them all the time. It's not like acute care where patients get well and go home. Instead, you get the privilege of getting to know them and their families. And you also have the privilege of supporting them in their last days as they move towards their death. I also really enjoyed working with the other nurses in what became a culture of curiosity. I would encourage them to think critically, consider career options and career development. Um, I was able to build their knowledge about the residents and the chronic conditions the residents were living with. Staff wanted to know what was happening with the residents and what was going on and how they could best intervene. Questions were constantly asked and staff were thirsty for answers. They would then take this knowledge to use in enhancing the lives of the older people they were working with. The teamwork was also fantastic in many of the places I worked and the extensive gratitude from everyone involved, the residents, the families and the staff was our reward working in that sector. It's a privilege to have so many wonderful memories. And I... I've received many cards and gifts from families and grateful residents, along with awards and certificates that were given to me from staff members, a wonderful reward for working in the sector. With so many wonderful reasons to work in aged care, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the workforce shortage it is experiencing. I understand that times have been particularly tough since the COVID-19 pandemic, but could you give us a further insight into the depth of the workforce issues facing the sector. Yes, Sophie, at the moment it's critical. There's roughly um, a 35,000 person shortfall of aged care workers in the sector each year. So we need to at least replace um, those 35,000 staff to be able to implement the care standards that our older people um, deserve. Uh, roughly 65,000 aged care workers leave the sector um, each year. These rates of attrition are another huge challenge for the sector. We need more aged care workers, but we have to make it attractive to work there. One of the things that's a concern is rural and remote areas in keeping our aged care services viable. If the government's going to require registered nurses on duty 24 hours a day, the government is going to have to provide the financial support and identify exactly how to attract more registered nurses in rural areas. Um, this includes the provision of uh, accommodation, um, stable work and a career pathway. 
um, or it will need to look at other models that will fit rural areas more appropriately while still maintaining the same high standards of care afforded to older people in metropolitan areas. The COVID pandemic highlighted the challenges the rural aged care sector was already struggling with. Um, but in the Murrumbidgee, it was also the impetus for aged care providers to work together. That challenging situation brought aged care providers together rather than to work in, co in competition. And they also started to work in collaboration with the local health district. And the outcome was really impressive. Karen, you had to navigate the aged care sector on behalf of someone. Can you tell us a bit about your experiences? Yes, that was um, my mum. Yeah, in February this year, she was a fine 87-year-old lady, fit and healthy. Um, and then she had a fall and fractured her pelvis. Uh, she was in hospital for a while. She recovered and I took her back home where she lives with my 91-year-old dad. Um, but then she had another fall and badly bruised and hurt her hip on the other side. So uh, back to hospital and this time she became a little bit more forgetful and quite confused. Um, I took her back to her place afterwards. Uh, she didn't want any services, any help. Um, she thought she was all right. So because of that, I had to go to her house twice a day to help her out. Um, then she had another fall. So back to hospital. This time she changed dramatically. She started having hallucinations. Um, she couldn't remember visiting me. She became quite angry and aggressive and her whole personality changed. Uh, so I spoke to the social worker who advised that she go into respite for a while in a nursing home as there was nothing more medically that the hospital could do for her. Uh, they advised that she have an interim visit and depending on how she went, she might come home or it might be a long-term arrangement. And that's when the process started with transitioning her from home life as she knew it into the facility. Um, we had assessments done and we had to contact homes to see who had a place for her. And it was quite eye-opening how much work was involved um, in trying to find an appropriate place for her to go and where elderly people can live when they get to this stage of their lives. Um, I was lucky um, Maroba is where my mum now is. It was one of the first places that got back to me and they offered mum a place in a shared room for respite. And then I had to explain the whole scenario to mum, um, had to take her there and try and explain to her that she wasn't going back to the home where she'd lived for many years with my dad. She was adamant that she wanted to go home um, and it really broke my heart to do what I had to do. But I knew if I took her home that she would probably have another fall. But anyway, she cried and cried for four days, begged me to take her home. Um, I knew I probably shouldn't take her home, but after four days of crying, I finally took her home. She lasted four days. Um, I got a call from dad it's six o'clock in the morning to say she tripped on the way to the toilet and she had fallen on her face. So when I got there, I found her in a pool of blood. She'd broken her nose, her hand. Um, so I had to call the ambulance and take her back to hospital. And this is where um, all the hard work we had to go through was all these falls. Her attitude, uh, attitude changed. 
my dad decided that after all this, he thought he could look after it, but he realised that he couldn't take care of her at home anymore. Um, so I rang the nursing home first thing in the morning from the emergency department at the hospital, and thankfully they still had her place available, so I took mum back. Um, now, a few months down the track, health-wise she's okay, but her mind and her cognitive function has gone downhill. Um, she thinks I'm now her mother and really wants me there all the time with her and wants to see me every day. Uh, it was even more difficult when the nursing home went into lockdown and I couldn't visit her, trying to explain to her why I couldn't go and see her. Um, and that's when I started to get calls that she was misbehaving and touching and disturbing all the other residents. Um, she'd lock her roommate out of her room. Uh, she became aggressive and was physical towards one of the nurses one evening. Um, but the staff were amazing. They would always ring and give me updates and they were always available to talk to. I can't thank this place enough. moreover has been wonderful, um, how much they look after my mum and everything they've done for her. And after bringing her home the last time, I know that it's now too dangerous to ever take her back home. Um, when I got her home, she wouldn't eat, she wouldn't shower for me, she just wanted to lay on the bed. Um, but now she loves the nurses and the workers and they know how to get the residents to do all these things that I couldn't, she wouldn't do for me, but she will do them for them. Um, she's still off sometimes, says she wants to go home, but she doesn't beg and cry anymore to want to go home. She's settled right down. Um, and the nurses at the at Maroba have a Facebook page and update it every day with what the residents are doing. Um, it shows you're doing their activity. She's always smiling. She plays up sometimes now when I go and visit her, but she's usually fine after I've there for a little while. Um, I know she's all right and has embraced being there. She recently went on her first excursion, which my mum would never have ever done. Um, she went on a bus trip to Maitland Art Gallery and then they went for coffee. She started going to the gym. I went there the other day and she was sitting on a rower and using the exercise bike, which is another first for mum. Uh, she's been there now for three months and she's really settled in. Thanks, Karen. It sounds like incredibly difficult circumstances. What do you think worked well in the process of helping your mum through this part of her life journey? Um, well, from the moment she arrived, um, they've all been so helpful. Um, I had no idea how all of this worked. I'd never had any experience with it before, uh, how all the finances worked, and it was very confusing. But uh, the finance lady, the accountant, everyone at Maroba um, has been so down to, her, uh, down to earth and helpful. She emails me if I have any questions. She answers them straight away for me. And they explained how mum would be taken care of. And also with dad still being at home, I had to take that, that into account. Um, the nurses can't do enough for the residents. I haven't seen one negative thing during the whole three months that mum's been there. They are just amazing and they're all so lovely. Uh, it's a great team and they all work together and get whatever needs doing done. And there's always activities for the uh, residents to do. They're never just left sitting around. There's always something, something for them to do. It's really amazing. That's wonderful to hear that in such a trying time, the staff and people around you were really helpful in making the process easier than it could have been. 
you have any suggestions for those who may need to navigate the aged care system in the future? Uh, yes, yeah, so if you've got someone in hospital and you're like me who's never had any experience like this, um, it's a good idea to speak with the social workers. They are amazing. They point you in the right direction. They're so helpful and I would not have known where to start without them. Um, and since the Royal Commission, the government have made it so that Centrelink officers have an aged care advisor, which they are so helpful as well. Um, I went to the lady at the Walls End Centrelink um, and she worked financially everything out for me, gave me different scenarios. They printed out a report with different ways on which um, I could choose to pay and work out all the finances. Uh, and she was the financial advisor in aged care. Um, my mum used to do all the banking, pay all the bills. She did everything at home. Um, and after the fall, she couldn't remember anything she did. So that was really hard. So the lady at Centrelink helped me with that too. She knew everything about aged care, including all about their pensions and their banking and pointed me in the right direction. Um, and just one last thing is if you have elderly parents, it's really important and a good idea to become their power of attorney before anything does happen. Because once it happens and they can't think for themselves, um, it's really hard. And I wouldn't have been able to do anything for mum without her consent um, and because she's not the person that she used to be and have everything under control and I had to take it over for her um, being able to do that without going through all the legalities it was it was um, really good and it's it is the most daunting thing I've ever had to do um, but I've never been stuck once there are so many people out there to help you and, and help you get through it. Thank you Karen for sharing your experiences with us. Sounds like it was a tough journey and it's important for us all to do what we can to help the sector as much as possible. Marie, in your extensive experience and time working in multiple aged care facilities, I'd be interested in your thoughts on what the sector needs and where we can go from here. The residential aged care and community aged care sectors are in an exciting but also challenging time. It's exciting as we now have the outcomes from the Royal Commission being implemented and rolled out and Karen identified one of those. And there's the opportunity for nurses in aged care to be contributing to those changes and being part of what's happening in aged care. Um, these changes will hopefully encourage more nurses and registered nurses to the sector and also to stay in the sector. Um, in relation to those seeking aged care placements or services, um, the Royal Commission has recommended the Wayfinders um, and they're specialised people who guide families through the system, uh, much as Karen was talking about. However, nurses also need resilience. They need to be able to weather the storm with change, which we know is often not easy. A lot of this change involves um, bureaucracy. For example, different ways of record keeping, collecting data, new ways of assessing older people and new standards for assessing um, quality care. Um, but without further increases in staff, time and money, it's going to add, all these changes are going to add uh, burden to the already stretched sector. So we need to be ensuring that, that there is the appropriate infrastructure to enable change to happen smoothly. Um, when it comes to trying to relocate older people from their homes and communities to other places um, where there's a bed, 
for example, from a rural community to a larger um, uh, metropolitan area. We know from research those who live in country areas want to stay there, just like those in metropolitan areas want to stay near where they've lived. Um, there are multiple issues if they're relocated. Research has shown that those who've been forced to do this felt they were being forced into exile because they were being moved away from family, friends and their country and community. It's imperative that the government take into consideration these workforce issues, including financial support in relation to transport, the purchase of goods and services, um, so that the rural and remote communities can cope with pressures and changes. We need extra incentive for nurses in rural and remote areas to come to those areas and to stay in those areas. Thank you both for sharing your thoughts and insights into the issues facing the aged care sector and how things might be improved from here. Charles Sturt is doing our part in helping to reduce the workforce crisis in aged care, including offering courses for those considering a career in the aged care sector. Marie, can you tell us a little bit more about what Charles Sturt is doing in the aged care space? Yes, um, we certainly are. Charles Sturt is certainly playing our part in trying to um, reduce the workforce crisis in aged care and to support the sector generally. And we offer a graduate certificate and graduate diploma and masters specialising in ageing. These are coordinated by academics with extensive experience in ageing and aged care and introduce students to theories and models that directly relate to the clinical and community aged care sectors. It's significant for registered nurses to remain current with knowledge and clinical practice as the new legislation is introduced and ongoing. Another course we offer is the Master of Gerontology, which teaches advanced skills and knowledge um, to strengthen communities' capacity to deliver exceptional healthcare. And Charles Sturt is also furthering research um, through an ageing well research group and that group's focusing on the particular issues of rural areas. Um, we've also just published the second edition of our book entitled Healthy Ageing and Aged Care, um, which is based on stories of older people who are the experts in ageing. Um, it's won um, the Tertiary Education Publishers Award in 2017 and also the Australasian Journal on Ageing Book Award in 2017. Um, hopefully the second edition will be just as successful. The book's used in nursing, social work, allied health courses, uh, and it's also a useful resource for anyone interested in reading about ageing because the, the way it's written is very engaging and, and not using um, language that people can't understand. So the second edition, if the book is now available and it's a resource for our post, postgraduate programs. Um, which, is, which is developed with a clear focus on student needs, challenging attitudes and providing the information they need through the stories of older people. Marie and Karen, thank you so much for joining me. For our listeners wanting to know more about what we've discussed, can you recommend a few helpful sites they can visit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> for further information on the courses Charles Sturt offers in nursing and aged care, please visit our website www.csu.edu.au or call us on 1800 275 278.
Thanks for listening and be sure to keep an ear out for the next episode in our Critical Industries and Issues series. Episodes cover workforce opportunities in the following sectors, aged care, ag, IT and data security, teaching, Indigenous affairs, general nursing and many more.